Hello everyone and welcome back to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is Lucy Gilman, I'm Deputy Editor at B2B Marketing and I'll be your host. I'm joined today by Dave Coglin and Richard Johnson, co-founders of the Inspired Marketing Group for a deep dive into quiet hiring. So welcome to the show. Hey, morning. Morning. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Um, Dave, just to kick things off, can you tell us a bit about IMG and your role there? Uh, sure. So, yeah, my name is Dave Coglin. I'm one of the co-founders with Richard of the Inspired Marketing Group, IMG. And we are, we're not an agency. Um, we are a community of sort of client-side marketers. I guess you could call us a freelance network, I, I suppose, is the sort of emerging business that we sort of sit within. Amazing. And as I said at the start, we're here today to talk about quiet hurrying. So for our audience who may not be familiar with that, Richard, can you just tell us a bit more about what it is? Yeah, I think um, quiet hiring is, is not really a new thing in reality. It's probably a, a HR buzzword, which has come into sort of um, sort of formulation, sort of 2022, 2023. Ultimately, uh, as, as marketeers, we've always been quite savvy about how we get talent into a, into a business um, and what I've done in the past what everyone's done in the past is use discretionary marketing budget to bring somebody in via a contractor route and I guess quiet hiring is that way now of either upskilling your existing talent to do a role which you need to do or it's about finding that talent quickly to bring them into the business to to perform that test and learn that new acquisition um, which you need to do but you can't put down in your existing workforce and that's quite hiring in a nutshell mm. so it's both internal and external it could be both yeah um so so yeah and we and again we've all we've all done that so somebody wants to do somebody in your digital team wants to learn about paid search and you have a paid search need you send them on courses you upskill them equally if you need that instantly and quick how do you get that person in if it's not necessary via a traditional agency route and you you go out to find a contractor, that's that's inherently difficult sometimes, and we'll get onto that in the few in, in, in as part of this podcast. But yeah, we, we've created this pool where you can just go and get that person super quick. Mm. And Richard, can you just tell us a bit more about how you got started on your quiet hiring journey? Um, so Dave and I worked together twice previously before um, co-founding Inspired Marketing Group. And my journey on quiet hiring was, like I say, I've always done it in the past, but not not consciously, for want of a better word, um, to, par- to kind of really paraphrase and, and, and have a succinct view of that. Uh, we had a PR need in our old business. Dave had been kicking around this idea for a while. I went down the traditional route of writing business cases and um, job specs, presenting them up to the board to get new people into the business or a new person to his PR element. Couldn't get it signed off, which is which is the norm in most businesses. Dave was like, oh, what about if we brought this specialist in? Well, I can't afford him, Dave. Um, he's too expensive on his day rate. But actually, we don't need Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. We need this, what, what about a day or two? I ultimately said, okay, let's give this a go. And it worked perfectly. And I guess that that was Dave's testbed of the Inspired Marketing Group proof of concept. It was my first step into it. We both reflected on that and went, this is bloody brilliant. Why don't we make a business out of this? Amazing. And so a couple of weeks ago, you both spoke at Ignite London, um, our flagship event. And one of the key themes of your session around quiet hiring was fear. 
Can you just tell us a bit more about that, Dave, and how that comes into play? Yeah, I guess we talked sort of at length at Ignite about fear and about sort of, you know, patterns of behaviour at work, which I've been guilty of. We've probably all been guilty of, right? You don't want to put your head above the parapet. You know, you've got a target to hit. You've got numbers to hit. You've got a budget to manage. You've got stakeholders to keep happy. And if you, you know, you've got a challenge, you've got an idea about how you could potentially solve that challenge, but it does involve you sort of putting your head above the parapet, putting your neck on the line and saying, yeah, no problem. I can go and hit that, hit that number. Let's, let's go. But you are then accountable for it. So what, what generally happens is you kind of almost protect yourself by, um, you know, behaviors or saying oh well we can't do this we can't do that or if we, if we wanted to do that i'm going to need to go and hire i'm going to bring in an agency or you know we sandbag right because we don't want to get our heads blown off or risk our careers and that fear is is innate in all of us and it's in it's in the stuff that we've picked up as we've gone through life right it's about protecting ourselves protecting our families protecting our loved ones and ultimately in work it comes down to not getting a sack right because if you <laughs> If you get something wrong, you say, yeah, no problem. I can hit that million pound target. Let's go. And you don't, then you're in trouble. So and how do you... Sorry, particularly if you've been so cost into doing that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's all, and, and again, I think we're going to, we'll come on to this in a bit, but obviously money drives businesses. Like I said, Rich and I have worked in large corporates, startups, SMEs, budget is always tight. So if you are going to commit to spending the business and money, you need to generate a return, as we all do as marketers. Um, but how do you do that? And again, like Richard said, you know, in the, in the sort of traditional way of how we would go about things as a marketer, you would build a business case. You say, right, I need to bring in this agency or I need to do this. Or I need to upskill these people. I need to send them on this training course or blah, 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 blah. But you're, in, you're asking the business to sink cash into that on the hope that you're going to get a return. Now, when it comes to right now, obviously the world is very dynamic. Everything's moving really quickly. There's massive pressure on costs for us as individuals as well as businesses. So there's super focus on how you can maximize return on every single penny you spend. Market budget's being cut. There's hiring freezes. It's an absolute flipping nightmare to go down the sort of traditional route of how you might hit your objectives. But um like Richard sort of mentioned earlier, when we were working together, we had a similar situation. We couldn't hire, we didn't have much budget. So we needed a different way of thinking and quiet hiring or sort of bringing in that external expert was the way that we could do it. And how that helps us mitigate fear is you don't have to commit, right? You don't mm. have to commit to a 35,000, 40,000 person, you know, full-time employee you can just access the talent to do the job you need doing as and when you need it. And this is the sort of dynamic, flexible um, business model that we've created at the Inspired Marketing Group. And that, you know, our clients are just falling over themselves to, um, to access because they're under pressure from budgets and from hiring freezes. And also they want to protect themselves as individuals, right? So if you're a marketing director or a head of marketing in a business, <clears throat> you put your head above the parapet uh, or you try not to put your head above the parapet, it's much easier to say, hey, you know, that stretch target is looking challenging, things are tight. However, 
if I could have investment of five, ten thousand pounds to try out this with a freelancer or a you know a contractor a day or two a week, then if it goes well, brilliant. You've got X amount of ROI. If it goes badly, just cut it. And then you're not left with big overheads, high costs, sunk costs, somebody sitting there that you've then got to exit from the business or reallocate somewhere else. So from a risk perspective, um, it gives us a lot more flexibility as client-side marketers. And also it can help alleviate fear, right? Which is a good thing. And it can also help you do more because if you're not scared, um, you're more willing to take a risk, have a go, get more stuff done, which means you can potentially achieve more for your business, deliver more for your your business, and personally can make you look amazing. You can, you know, get that promotion. You can be finance's best friend. Um, you can impress stakeholders. Blah 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 blah. So it's sort of a a, a win win opportunity to try some stuff, have a go, and if it works, you look amazing, and if it doesn't, you kill it quick and look not not as bad as you potentially could have hmm. it's that experimenting and that flexibility i feel like those are the core 100 percent, 100 percent. so um i worked in uh startup land working for vc backed businesses where everything was about test learn adjust right so you've got to try stuff because you've you're trying to scale you're trying to that hockey stick growth, you're going to go from zero to a million miles an hour in 10 minutes. So yeah. that, that thing is built to scale. And but you've got to you've got to test your way to that to that scale. And you can start off and when you're starting off, it's kind of easy to do stuff, but you almost need to know what does the future look like. So what's that future state? So you need to invest, you need to test stuff, but you don't know if it's going to work or not. So the idea is you 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 do it, and if it works, brilliant. You do some more of it. But if it doesn't, and a lot of stuff doesn't, you kill it fast. So it's that idea of fail fast. So um, yeah, you get your learnings quickly, and then you bin them when they don't work. I think what we found, Dave, when we've done this both from a client side point of view, when we've done it ourselves, and now obviously as part of our business model, what it does is it gives you greater flexibility to get stuff done. It makes you more agile it absolutely gives you more instant capacity to do work. It protects your team from burnout because too often we just put extended targets down on existing teams and keep loading it up. And, and actually that's not the right thing to do. And it's great that we're recognizing right now. It enables you to test and learn properly. Because again, you know, test and learn is, is, is quite often off the side of the desk. It's added on someone's job and it doesn't get done properly. Whereas if you've got one person or a few people looking after that test and learn, it becomes a proper test and learn. And going back to the fear point, it creates less fear both within yourself and within the business because you're not presenting these business cases up for 10, 30, 40, 50 grand of headcount. You are literally looking at this on a project basis and going, as Dave said, I need five grand because I think I've got a way of hitting that target. Why wouldn't you do that? I think that point around burnout for your exi existing staff is so important as well from a cost perspective yeah. as well if someone reaches the point where you know stuff keeps on piling on their plate and it doesn't slow down they'll just quit and go somewhere yeah. else so yeah from a cost cost reduction perspective and this is where it almost comes in from that that hr perspective right because there was a lot of noise about quiet quitting you know mm -hmm. during the covid pandemic when everyone was sort of having a whole bunch of work piled on top of them they're working 
you know, at the dining room table. And then, so there's almost no separation between life and work. So protecting people's um, time, allowing them to have balance is, is super important. And this sort of the quiet hiring bit is the, is the other end of that spectrum, right? So you're not requiring people to, you know, load up their workload, which is going to be detrimental, like you say, because um, it's still an employee's market at the moment. There's plenty of um, jobs going around and talent is hard to find. So um, it's really important that um, you, like you say, from a, from a, a team perspective, you're looking after them, you're giving them stretch goals. If they can eat it and you've got high performers, then brilliant. You can give them opportunities. But similarly, when workload increases, you can adjust and adapt your team to to eat that extra workload without overburdening people. And I think, Dave, it's probably an important point or juncture to really sort of explain this quiet hiring thing. And actually, we reflected on our Ignite presentation. And actually, if we could do that again, I think what did you say the presentation should have been called to me, like how to get marketing talent fast without scaring your MD or FD. That's ultimately what, what it is. And I think... I think it's a really important um, sort of thing to outline in terms of what, what the Inspired Marketing Group is, is you have a traditional agency route and you have a traditional recruitment route. And in the middle, you've always had this contractor route. But actually getting the right contractor in is, is massive. And that's quite hiring, but that's massively difficult. And scouring all of those options and, and actually getting that right person in is really difficult. My, my retort is almost like, it's like a locum doctor. They don't Google, you know, if you need a doctor, they don't Google local doctor. There's a, there's a pool of talent there, which they can access quickly via quite hiring. That's what the Inspired Marketing Group does for these roles. It says, if you need a paid search specialist, you can Google it, you can go to an agency, but actually you can buy chunks of time rather than whole bunches of full-time five days a week Monday to Friday and get what you want from one place rather than scouring the earth and vetting it yourself and yeah it's just quicker easier faster mm. and it, it almost proves the case right so let's say yeah you, you've got a demand for in you know, paid search or it could be anything graphic design or some other skill set that you maybe don't have in-house and if you bring somebody in to test it and it works awesome that's that's brilliant and you can then build a business case and go to your fd and say hey i need a graphic designer i need them full time because we've had john in the business and we've paid him x amount per day for the last three months and it's cost us this but now based on the economics of if we brought somebody in the the you know the total cost to have an employee would be x which would be y percent lower than paying this contract on a day rate so you're almost then going you're not going with a can I have a graphic designer because I've got a bunch of stuff I need doing, you can go and you can talk the language of the FD or, you know, whoever and say, here is the business case. Here are the numbers. This is the money that we would save. And this is the value that the person I've brought in has already delivered. Back to the original question, there's the less fear because it isn't a, I've seen this work. I think this might work. Actually, let's work on a two to one ratio. You're actually dealing with realistic numbers, which says I spent X, I generated Y. Actually, it's potentially cheaper over the long term to bring this person in full time. Your business case is based in reality, not not best guesses. Less mm. fear, less fear for everybody. Mm. You, Dave, you mentioned the phrase "talking the language of your FD." Can you just tell me a bit more about the buying process, and is it really just speaking the language of 
speaking the language of numbers in the way that the board in the C-suite can really understand, is that the case for getting buy-in? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we Rich and I have both sat in those chairs, right, where you're trying to justify your existence every 12 months or every six months when, the you know, budgets are being reallocated, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but, you know, the finance department are not not the enemy. And they everyone's on the on the same bus. They're all trying to do the same thing. So what, uh, you know, our model in particular, and, and by using the sort of quiet hiring approach of, of testing and learning people and skills, what it allows you to do, like Richard just said, is to go to finance or to HR and say, this, this is the value that has been delivered by this person in this role, and this is what it's cost us. And you can use that out of your existing marketing budget. So this is not incremental additional spend. This is money that finance have given you they'll say that they've given you but you're allocating your budget to to achieve your targets right and then what you could then do to finance which is what they really love is you can go hey i can do all of that great stuff that i've done and i can save some money and and it's about marketers for me and i've never really understood this because for me marketing is business right it's all all we do is find out what people want give it to them and do it in as cost-effective a way as possible. So it's, it is it is business. And, and I think marketers, if they can speak the language of the finance team, they will love it because it, it all, all needs to be, I've spent this, I've done that, I can actually save you some more money, I've tested it, I've learned it. And, and even if the conversation is, I've tried this and I've tested it with my budget and it didn't work, I'm gonna try and test this. They'll still like that. Because they show there's a demonstration of a an approach, some logic, empirical evidence to to, to make a decision, rather than I think um, you know sort of best guesses. Hmm. And I think this this approach it gives it arms marketing teams, marketing heads of and, and marketing directors with the data and the insight that they can take to C suite, they can take to their board, they can take to their finance teams to have a uh, an empirical conversation rather than just a subjective one. Uh, you mentioned that phrase test and learn and I think to me that's kind of admittedly I've never been on the hiring end of the spectrum I've always been hired um, but it seems to me that that test and learn approach is different from the norm and when you're talking about quite hiring it's not just changing strategy it's changing the mindset would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a massive mindset shift, Rich. Feel free to jump in. Because yeah. it's all about empire building, right? So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do then, Rich. But. To me, quite quite hiring and, and what we've done and what we do, it isn't, it isn't about removing your marketing team and having people on for, for argument's sake, zero hours contracts where, you know, what this is about is having a really strong, solid marketing team. You know what they, you know what their capabilities are. You, you can align a marketing plan and strategy to it. Um, but then having this pool of resource when things ebb and flow and change that you can just go out and get the mindset shift for me, it happened 
it happened pre-COVID. I think that we, or, or COVID enabled it in the fact that we were all about empire building. We were all about, you know, let's build business cases, get people in. I walk out, you know, almost like Wolf of Wall Street. I see my team in front of me. This is it. And actually, what what the mind shift was, and my mind shift when I did this with, with Dave previously, was I didn't I didn't think that, you know, one and a half days a week was enough to get this job done. I was Monday to Friday, nine till five. And actually, I was like, well, I need to see the whites of that person's eyes to, to, to make sure they're actually doing what I'm paying them to do. COVID blew that out of the water. That literally ripped the Band-Aid off. And actually, you had to, well, let's be honest, you had to trust your team. You had to trust that they were doing what you're paying them to do. And I think that paved the way to this new approach of, I no longer have to um, have my recruitment within a 30-mile radius of my office. Mm -hmm. Actually, what this is about now is I need a paid search specialist. Keep using the same example, but there we go. I need a paid search specialist. If that person happens to be in Brighton and I and I my office is in Sheffield, well, what does it matter anymore? Because for two years I've had to work remotely like that. And actually, do I need that person five days a week to get that job done? Or do I need them for five days but ultimately, it's just half a day every day for five days. And actually, it then becomes a bit more cost effective for you to do those tests and learns. But you've still got your core, strong and stable marketing team there. You're just being able to test and learn really cost effectively and almost let that BAU team do what they're always doing. You're not impinging on them, but you're just, and that's happened to us as an example, an acquisition came in and they were like, we've just got no room to get that in. How do we get this acquisition landed safely um, with um, with minimal impact on my team? We provided a uh, almost like a strategist, but they were only working one day a week. Then, then we provided a doer, someone who could actually create the emails, write the comms, etc. That was two days a week, but those days were spread across the week as well. So it became a really cost-effective way of delivering that curveball objective um, without impinging on your teams and and, I, and it is a massive mindset shift because i i think a lot of people are still on that in the office monday to friday nine to five and if they're not in the office they're still monday to friday nine to five and they're slowly being dragged back to the office i, I do think there's a better way of working and it is a, it's a huge mind it's a, it's a leap of faith it's a trust thing i would say more than mindset i know they're both the same thing but i think trust is a bit more You've got to be really honest and say, mm, do I trust the people who work for me? And and if the answer is no, then you need to reflect back on yourself. Amazing. And Richard, you quickly mentioned an example there, but do you have any other examples of where quiet hiring has worked really well and you've seen it really just hit the nail on the head? So I think the example we gave at the Ignite conference is, is really good. So we sat down with a, with a digital director and she wanted to change her, her team. She wanted to, she had really good digital people, but they were, they were almost like learned digital rather than real, real, uh, like specialist innate digital people. She wanted to create this center of excellence. She knew it would work better. When she mapped out her team, it was, it was expensive. It was, a quarter of a million, half a million pounds of headcount. And as Dave said, when you're when you're putting that up to your CMO, you're pretty much putting your whole existence on the line, not just your head above the parapet. What what quite hiring enabled her to do was to move quickly. 
and to actually drop one person in, prove it works, expand it to two, expand it to three, expand it to four. And then actually within 18 months, the business case was presented back to go, right, we need to insource all of this now because it's working well, blah, blah, blah. And and that's where Quiet Harry enabled her to build her well, empire, as we've just said before, but actually through mm-hmm. a test and learn model. Um, out, outside of that, we, we've obviously got, you know, the, the acquisition example we, we've given to you where it was, um, it enabled them to land an acquisition without actually, you know, impinging their BEU. There's loads and loads of examples where it really, really works well um, if you can just look at a different way of doing it. You've got loads as well, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, we're working with, with a client as well who has done a lot of, she's had a real challenge um, retaining staff. So it's hired people in. We were brought in to help them out with a global web project. We helped deliver that. They then insourced some people. Um, the business is super high pace. It's really quite aggressive. Um, and the people that brought in just, they, they couldn't sort of hack it. So what happened is we helped out. Then we stepped back when they insourced. And then when those people left, I got a call sort of, ah, my person's walked out. They're in probation. They've given me a week's notice. I need help next week. So we were then able to sort of quickly drop in and get her out of a hole. So that that almost like the hokey-cokey, right? You can go in, out, in, out, in, out, turn it on, turn it off, change the team. You know, it's that sort of, um, it's the flexibility, it's the scalability, it's the agility um, that, that this sort of model can can give your business, which is, you know, just so important. And on that day, well, another example of that, I'm sorry, I know, I know we're, we're running short of time, but, you know, we've had a situation where, like any other corporate business, uh, CMO, marketing director has gone to a, to a lead and said, this product's doing really well. This product, you know, is actually underperforming now. We need to, we need to, we need to jump on it and sort that out. You're almost robbing Peter to pay Paul. Actually, what happened was that conversation happened on a Thursday night. The person called us Thursday night and said, this is what's happened. Our response was, actually, we've got some great people in our community. I'll send you some CVs over tonight. We can get together tomorrow if you want to. We did that. And by the Monday, one person was in the business then solely looking to to bring that profit, uh, sorry, that product back to target. And then on the Tuesday, when the when the CMO had a conversation, said, oh, where are we on that product? Expecting the answer to be, oh, I'm on it. They were like, me, John, is now, and it completely changes the dynamics of the conversation. And that person was brought in on a, if it wasn't right, 28 days is instantly cancelable after that, no matter what you sign, is a 28-day cancellation period. So it's just super fast talent instantly. And it, again, it changes that dynamic conversation within the business. It's no longer, let me wrap that down and think about it. You can you can just have a go at it. And actually, if it doesn't work after two days, just just end it with minimal impact to you and the business. And just to wrap up our conversation, Dave, what would you say to our listeners who are, you know, ready to take that leap of faith and give quiet hiring a try? Do it. And, <laughs> and just just do it, right? And, but do it small. So it's, mm. it's test small, try it out and have a go. And if it works, brilliant, do some more. And if it doesn't, bin it. Um, yeah, I, absolutely. Just Just have a go, try it small, have a go and and then go from there. Well, you have me sold. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining me today. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. So thank Thanks you. Thanks very much. Thank you.